Hey folks, it's Mark, your host on My Labor Radio. You can find us on multiple podcast platforms, and this show is now part of the laborradionetwork.org. You can discover more than just us by visiting their website. The Labor Radio Network will help you find your next new favorite union podcast or radio show. A simple network of folks from across the nation. Working people keep raising their voices more and more each day and demanding better treatment from their workplaces and their elected officials. As you know, these voices don't get heard very much on the corporate-controlled media. But the 21st century's labor movement has a new way to get its message out there. And working people don't rely on traditional media gatekeepers. It's now the internet, so you can turn off your TV to get the real news. So that gets us to that one-stop shop. Just visit laborradionetwork.org. On the main page, you'll see a grid of show logos. Just click one, and the description and links pop up right there. It's worth going to visit this ever-growing Voices of Labor resource. Join us at laborradionetwork.org. BCTGM Voices Project, a podcast highlighting the real people who make up our union. And I'm happy to report that we've got a great program put together now with some really talented people. The executive officers hired this year. They know just about everything that needs to be known with social media. There's nothing louder than when a whole other union that has nothing to do with your industry just shows up right on the picket line. And they don't forget that. The other unions never forget that. And I knew that I had to convince them on paper. Because he kept saying, the toolbox is not showing this. I'm like, hey, let's just go out on faith. I know that it's a victory. I didn't have any doubt. Social media will never be able to replace getting out there, meeting people, and having those one-on-one conversations. If we're going to use it for organizing, there's a timing thing for when it should be used and how it should be utilized. Why would we sell out the future of the people coming under me with less than 20 years, the people that's going to get hired? Why would we expect them to want to be a part of a union that sold them out? We're striking because it's the right thing to do. Our union is stronger than it's ever been. This is the most I've ever seen this union down in Richmond come together and have each other's backs. They all were fighting for the same cause. This is the BCTGM Voices Project. In this episode, we get to know Daryl Copeland, an emerging BCTGM leader in the Southern region. Brother Copeland came on the international staff as an organizer in 2020 and was recently promoted to the position of international representative in that region. Daryl tells us about his journey within the BCTGM and later we learn about a caretaker trusteeship he is leading in Right to Work Columbus, Georgia to strengthen the bargaining power at Hostess Brands. How you doing? My name is Daryl Copeland and I'm an international representative for the BCTGM in the southern region that I work up under Vice President Zach Townsend and my role in the union is to service the membership. So that's that's my main focus. I'm working in Columbus uh, these days serving the members. Daryl, can you just talk a little bit about your union background? How did you end up involved with the BCTGM? 
I really didn't grow up around um, a union environment and I really didn't know my family was a union family until later in life. But I really got introduced to the union almost by mistake. Uh, um, right after I graduated college, I played football at Western Michigan. I graduated in 2008 and I came back uh, to Atlanta from, from Western Michigan and my aunt was working at Nabisco. So now it was Kraft and now it's Mondelez. So she was a union member, but she was only a dues union member. And she's like, hey, I got a good job. I could probably get you on that craft if you want a uh, job. So I got in and I did the interview. Didn't do very well with the interview, but my aunt knew a lot of people. So she was still able to get me in. So that was my introduction to the union. So in 2008, I started uh, with Mondelez or Kraft. And from there, uh, you know, I became a steward. And, you know, I'll talk about what was going on later, but as far as the background and unionizing or having a union background, my, my aunt was a union member, dues paying union member. Later, my mom got hired maybe five years after I was working there and she joined the union. And later in life, I found out that my grandpa, he worked uh, up under the Teamsters union for almost 25 years, 30 years. He's actually retired and he's getting pension from it. I, I did a little research on it. so. Nice. It was a good year he actually worked for. So, you know, I, I really wasn't from a union background, but all of my family actually joined the union and they was dues paying members. So cool. So how long were you working at Nabisco before you became a shop steward? I worked uh, maybe six years. I was actually uh, a dues paying member since day one. I joined the union right when I got hired in 2008. It was almost a requirement at Nabisco to join the union. So I was uh, basically a dues paying member and I really wasn't involved, but I would do a lot of events and just trying to hang out with a lot of members. And somebody said, hey, you probably should be a steward. You'll be a, a steward. But I ran away from it because I didn't want extra responsibility inside the job. I wanted to make my money and leave. But so maybe six, six years, five or six years after becoming you know, a union member, I, I jumped in and became a steward. Okay. So at some point, though, after that, you were hired as an employee of Local 42, right? An organizer? Yeah. Well, before I, I was hired as an uh, internal organizer at Local 42, a lot of the uh, senior employees at the plant, since I was you know, very involved and I was popular, they would say, hey, you should probably get on the executive board or you should probably do something at the local office. And I'm like, I don't know anything about it. So... I finally looked into it and I ran for an executive board position and I was able to get an executive board position on Local 42. And then that's when I met Vice President Townsend at the time, he was um, the business uh, manager at Local 42. And, you know, he was talking to me and he asked me, was I interested in leaving the plant to become an internal organizer? And I had no idea what an internal organizer was at the time. Um, but you know, he explained to me, he said, hey, do what you do right now, talk to people, you'll go into the planning, you'll start building up membership, you'll talk to the people, you'll build relationships. We'll focus on service. I didn't know at the time we was focusing on service when I was at the local level, but that's how it started. Great. Okay, so then uh, what year did you get hired by the International Union? So it was uh, March of 2020. Awesome. Well, just to brag on you a little bit, because I've been working at headquarters all this time and 
you know, we are kind of assigned to work with you guys in the field whenever there's a need for it. And I think the first time that I heard of you being really instrumental in like an organizing campaign was that Blue City Brewery campaign. And John Price just could not say enough good things. For my part, I've kind of been the creative person in the office, making the graphics, making the videos or fumbling through making videos because it's not really my thing. And so it was exciting for me to hear there was somebody in the Southern region that could do that stuff. And I believe that campaign was the first time that our union was able to implement an electronic sign-up card, correct? Yeah. So you had created a page online where workers could go sign the union card instead of having to do that in person. Yeah, so me and international representative Nate Zelf, we kind of kicked the idea around when we was working on the campaign in Hartwell, Georgia. And Nate was like, hey, we really want to do this electronic cards and I really don't know how to do it. And I said, hey, well, I know how to make a website. I guess we can start looking at some of the rules. And, you know, I called um, Secretary Treasurer uh, Woods and I called John Price and I um, director organizer John Price and I said, hey, you know, I think I can find a way we can actually do this if we can follow all the rules of the NLRB. And I made the website. It was a Wix website. We tried to make it simple as possible so you can use it on your mobile phone. And, you know, you can send a text message out with the link uh, or you can send an email out with it as well. And it just gave uh, workers an opportunity to be able to do everything electronically versus doing the cards. And, you know, it was more like getting a head start on the campaign if you could send those electronic cards out. And I used it by uh, creating the Wix website. Wix. Yeah, we've referred people to Wix a lot and as well as Weebly. I don't know those platforms very well, but I know that they're user-friendly. Yeah, very user-friendly. You don't have to have any kind of coding skill or developer skills. The website is already made for you. You just got to go in and fill all your personal credentials or whatever campaign credentials in the template scene and you'll be good to go. Okay, this is going to be kind of a weird question, but I know that you and I spoke a little bit at the convention about your involvement in football. I think that's a really fun fact about you. You played football at Western Michigan, right? Right. So I have a kid in travel baseball now, and a lot is said about this period of their lives and and how it kind of develops a person for later on. So I guess I'm wondering, what about being involved in sports in that way? has kind of helped you in this job or are you able to apply lessons that you've learned to what you're doing now? Yeah. Yeah. Every day that I go to work, the discipline that you got in sports, you, you carry it over in your work life. So me getting up, like sometimes we would have to get up for a campaign to do um, a hand building. We did a hand building at almost like a 4 AM or 6 AM at blue city or in Hartwell, we would do a lot of handbills or, or actually you have to be in front of the plant to talk to the workers when they get off of work. So that discipline of being able to wake up early, the discipline of being, being on time or being early for a meeting, it carried over from sports because if you come to practice late or if you don't make practice, you won't be able to play in the game. So it's all connected. And I think it carried over to my adulthood as well, because I was always on time for work, really never got any attendance points when I was working at craft. So I think sports played a big part of it. My mom would say all the time, she said, hey, aren't you glad that uh, you jumped into football and you played sports all the way until you was in college? I said, I, I sure am. And I'm, I'm really thankful for it. So I, it carried over the long way. Yeah. 
That's awesome. In the next half of this discussion, Hostess Brands shop steward Michael Wilson joins to talk about how they are growing union density in the right to work plant. I'm the assistant chief steward for local 84 at Hostess, and um, my role there is to assist employees there with any issues or problems they have. Basically, Daryl was assigned down there because there was a membership involvement issue in that plant, as far as I understand. Do you want to give me a little background on that, Michael? Just, you know, how things were going before Daryl was was sent down there to sort of start making some changes. Well, before Daryl came down there, I was actually just a regular union member. And things wasn't too good. I mean, things were supposed to have been handled. that was supposed to have been handled wasn't. I mean, things were getting slid through the cracks and you no know, HR and everybody was just doing what they wanted to do. But once Daryl came down here, and it was a point that I had an uh, employee come to me asking for help, not knowing that I wasn't a steward, I was just a union member. So I still took the initiative to try to help him. But after that instance, and then I met Daryl and got to know a little bit more about the union and they came and made, they changed this stuff. That really puts me in a perspective as I wanted to be a steward because I love helping people. So with that being said, with Daryl and Zach coming down here making a lot of changes, it actually helped us out a whole lot and starting okay. to see a lot of good changes. So you're a brand new steward. Yeah, I, well, yeah, I'm actually been a steward for, I would say about a year now. Oh, okay. Not that new, but kind of new. Yeah. Okay. Um, Daryl, y'all are working in a right to work state, right? Correct. Yes, Georgia, Georgia's right to work state. And the funny thing about it is, um, you know, down at Hostess, Columbus is basically on the borderline with two right to work states, Alabama and Georgia. Yeah, so. Okay. So uh, as far as I understand, and you can kind of elaborate on this, it's important to have strong union dedication in these plants when you're in a state like that, because if you don't have everybody on board, especially in a right to work state, it's hard to serve. Yeah, absolutely. I always go in and that's, we've been focusing on uh, service in the plan and we actually been doing new hire orientations every week because they got language in the contract for new hire orientation. And by the way, Mike, Mike did new hire orientation yesterday. He did an excellent job, got a hundred percent on that new hire orientation. That's but right. as far as the right to work, it is very important because if you don't have great membership, it diminishes the bargaining power when you actually go into negotiations. So we go into negotiations in uh, late October and we want to make sure the membership is high as possible before we actually go into the uh, contract negotiations because if you don't have a great membership the company is not really going to take you serious when you go into the table and saying hey i want to get this i want to get that they know majority of the plant is not really interested is not involved in the union they're gonna almost laugh at you at the negotiation table so I, i'm always uh, telling my members, my union stewards and telling new hires and telling current members like, hey, we definitely need to focus on the internal organizing and getting getting the uh, solidarity level up in this plant so the company know when we sit down in front of them, we're going to be able to really have negotiation and bargaining power. So that's that's the biggest thing about the right to work. So I do know that from the time that you guys showed up down there and made this game plan, you have doubled the membership inside that plan. Will you just kind of talk about the way that you've gone about that? It started off with communication, Michelle. I, want, I wanted to make sure not just myself, 
but uh, Vice President Townsend and definitely Secretary Treasurer Woods, President Shelton, everybody wanted to make sure we can service. And we had to start off with communication. So uh, I was talking to Mike, we was having a lot of phone calls and I said, so what are some of the disconnects down there? Well, we never know when it's gonna be a union meeting. We never know when we're, we're gonna see the union reps. We don't get the board updated. It was a lot of disconnect with the communication. So. I was like, okay, I looked at the problem and I said, okay, what's the solution? The solution is let's come up with whatever kind of platform we can just to communicate with the workers a little bit better. So we jumped on a um on a on an app called WhatsApp. And this WhatsApp was actually recommended by uh Mike because he worked at another facility before that they actually communicated in a group with WhatsApp. So I, you know, shot the idea to Vice President Townsend and Secretary Treasurer Woods and said, hey, Think I want to do a WhatsApp down here. We actually did a, did a WhatsApp before in Farrell and QA, uh, but it wasn't as uh, popular and it, we wasn't using it like we're using it now in Hostess. So this tool in Hostess has really been a success for the stewards because the stewards are able to put in communication from day to day and say, hey, I got a problem over here online too. Do I have a senior steward that can help me out with this? So I might have an attendance termination over here and they would upload grievances, they would upload communication. So that's that's where it all started. So that, those are some of the tools we actually use. We also empowered some of the stewards, a lot of the stewards as well. We did a new election, a new union steward election. So we got new union stewards involved. Um, Matt Clark came down here, he, had tra he trained those stewards in the training and. Um, new steward training that was awesome he did a great job with that and from there we started using a lot of those tools and and in between time we was you know they would see us we was we was visible we was a lot more visible so instead of only seeing somebody once every now and then they seen a union rep every day every other day and and now they know my name they know Mike's name and and it's almost like when i walk through the plant they say hey i see you again man you down here a lot and you let them know like, hey, we're in this together. So those are some of the tools. You gotta be able to open up the means of communication. You gotta empower your stewards. And I think that's where all the service starts from. Yeah, I've used that WhatsApp before. I, I believe it's also, um, it's like encrypted or something, right? Yeah, yeah. And then a plus on top of that, we're actually, we're actually at the library now that we was, um, we first, when we started communicating and put signs on the board, we was letting people know like, hey, we can make you, make you, um, you know, a picture ID card or something like that. Just, just little things that we was doing just to help out some of the members, just to get them more involved, to get them in front of us. So. Yeah, so that um, is one of those things. I know that we talked, we had a little bit of discussion at the convention about social media and a really common question among all of the local unions is how to create that engagement and and i always come at it from the social media angle because that's just what my job is but from what you're saying putting yourselves in front of those people on a regular basis like showing up is more than half the battle right Absolutely. Absolutely. um and i also said to people that you have to create situations where everybody's going to be together because that's the only way that you can build that kind of unity. And I, actually, I know that you guys have done things like that. There was a backpack drive recently. Oh yeah, it was uh, a couple of us stewards got together, and when they brought the notion up of doing something for the community, I mean, one of the young ladies instantly said, "Hey, let's do a backpack drive." So we all 
chipped in, put together, and started working on a plan to do that. And it actually came out of success. And love, hope to do more stuff like that. That's great. So explain this though. You you did this for the kids in the community of just before back to school. Yeah. And how did you come up with your list of supplies? Actually, we got with the local library that we're here with now, and they gave us a school that was in the area where we know a lot of parents aren't able to afford stuff like that. So we just went off of what the basic kid would need, book back, pencils, color pencils, glue, erasers, things like that. And we just all bonded it up, put it in a backpack, and just passed it out. Okay, cool. Who? So who was donating to that? Just everybody in the community? Yeah. Yeah, well, actually, it was local 84. Yeah, they so, stewards local 84. Yeah, so so uh, all the stewards got together and they basically took their hard-earned money out of their paycheck and donated to one of the stewards. And, you know, myself, along with uh, Vice President Townsend, we took our own funds as well. And we crowdfunded and um, basically went to the store and bought all the backpacks, bought the supplies, and showed up at the library and we partnered with the library on their event. So it was pretty cool because every time they see us now today, they's like, hey, is this something else we could partner on? So we got more events down the pipeline that we're actually gonna go and get with the community. And and funny thing about it is that when the comp when when the company see us doing things like that, they offer say, hey, is it anything that we can do as well? Because we seen that you was out with the community with some of our employees and our union members, and now they want to jump in and help out as well. So I'm pretty sure we're going to get a lot of more events that's going to make it real big down here. That's cool. Yeah, and I think that's something that we don't talk a lot about on here. We talk a lot about making sure that the members have solidarity and that they are able to cooperate with one another. But being able to have that positive relationship with the company is a big deal too. And I'm sure will help you when you go into negotiations later on as well. Right, right, absolutely. Awesome, all right, so how many stewards do we have there at Local 84 now? So right now we're around uh, 12, 12 to 15 stewards. And when I first came um, five to six months ago, we only had uh, maybe five stewards because the list the list wasn't um it was a little outdated so it was about five or six stewards and one of the stewards wasn't even working there anymore but now since we had the steward training we actually recruited more stewards and the funny thing about it is we've been having a lot more more union members that have been members for a while and since they see us and they see what local 84 is actually doing they saying like hey i want to be a steward so i didn't had three people in the last two months say hey what do I have to do to be a union steward? Because I want to help fight like you guys are fighting. So the word is getting around. That's really great. Well, so also I was talking with Secretary Treasurer David Woods the other day. You know, not only before did you have these five stewards, but I guess communication among even that small group was a little strained. And he tells me now with this WhatsApp that it's almost seamless. Like you have these 12 stewards they all have constant contact with one another. Um, this is a, a detail that's probably important to know with the group that you put together on WhatsApp. It's literally only, right, Daryl, it's you, a couple of the leaders in the union, and then only stewards. There's no other members inside of that. Correct, correct. So right now we have, um, we have maybe like 16 members total in that uh, WhatsApp group. And I'm the administrator of the group and I created the group. So I have to have your phone number. I have to let you in. I can take you out. Um, but 
I wanted some of the local leaders, uh, basically on the international level, to see it, um, so we can monitor what's going on in it. And you know, if it's something that we need to chime in, we would chime in. But we really like we really like for the stewards to do most of the communicating and talking amongst each other. And I would sit back, and if it's something that I can offer before one of the stewards can offer it. I will put it in, but I try to step back and just be almost like a mediator and say, okay, hey, you know, guys, let's talk about this and let's talk about that. I would definitely assist, but it's a um, union steward rant. What's up? Gotcha. But it actually made it a whole lot easier too, because before we were, some stewards are on different shifts. So when we pass each other, a lot of them, I know they'd be ready to go home. So they take the time to try to hey, I had this issue, hey, this issue. Well, now with the WhatsApp, they can communicate through it, take the picture of the grievance or whatever the write-up is, and me and the chief can try to go ahead and try to get started on the right then instead of waiting till we see this person and find out what's going on. Yeah, that's huge. So, Mike, since you worked there, will you just kind of talk about from the beginning of the year to now, uh, maybe the change in the member's commitment there? Do, are you noticing a big change in that? I actually have, especially during the new hire orientation, since we are actually in charge of doing it now and not letting Daryl them step in. Actually have, because now they see that employees that actually work there and going through the same thing they're going through are here to fight with them, tell them what's going on, explaining how we're here to help and the notions and the steps that the union take to fight for them. It's been a real big change. That's great. Well, good job to both of you on that. So this is a question that, that David Woods uh, gave to me to ask to you. And I think it's a good one. Daryl, why don't you go first? What do you see as the future of Local 84 in the next two to five years? I see in the next two to five years with, um, with the way we're doing it right now, I see this local being one of the biggest locals um, almost in the Southern region because they got the potential to actually grow. I think right now it's over 440 um, employees in that plant. And the way we're talking to the employees and the way, you know, the membership is growing right now, if we can get that membership to 85, 95%, you know, they have the potential to actually be a great local and, and actually recruit other companies in this area and do more organizing because Alabama, you know, is very close to this local. So I feel like in the next two to five years, it's going to grow and it's going to be a, a great local, very big local. Nice. All right, Michael, what about you? Uh, two to five years from now, might be a long stretch, but I, I actually see in that host sign saying local 84, meaning that instead of folks hearing, oh, hostess, they pay well, oh, hostess, now I want somebody to come there and be like, oh, they got a great union. I want to be that part of their union, this, that, and the third. So Two to five years, yeah, actually seeing that's our warehouse and not actually hostess. I don't think that's a long shot. I think that's a great goal. All right, great, guys. Well, that's all the questions that I have for you. Do you guys want to add anything before I wrap it up? I would just, I want to say thank you to you, Michelle, because uh, you put this together and you and um, Secretary Treasurer uh, David Woods, you know, I know you was pushing for me to get on and I really appreciate uh, you let me get on and share share our story, share um, the host of short story, you know, putting Mike on. So I really do. And I want to thank President Shelton, uh, you know, for allowing me to be able to speak today and my vice president Townsend, he cleared up my schedule as well so I can 
make sure we get this going. So I, I really appreciate all that. So I just wanted to close it out with thanking everybody. And, you know, I'm very appreciative to be working with the BCTGM International. Awesome. Well, thank you, Daryl. Uh, that's it then. Thank you both. Hope you have a great day and good luck with everything going forward. All right, yes, ma'am. Thank you. Thank you. All right. See ya. If you found this content valuable, please consider sharing it on your own social media pages and be sure to tag us. We are BCTGM on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. For more on the activities of the BCTGM, go to bctgm.org. <laughs>